This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. No life, no fun. Don't you know that you're a Hey there, welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listener to this special rewind presentation of a Gen X Grown Up Backtrack. I am John, here with my buddies and co-hosts, George and Mo. Hey guys. Hey, how's it going? Man, so the episode we picked for the rewind this time around is from October 4th, 2018. Again, a little under six years ago. And mm. this one we talked about the now effectively dead. I haven't looked at, back then. It was not quite dead. I don't know how it is doing now, but electronic store Radio Shack. Yeah. You dug into its history. You guys remember this? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I think I actually remember this podcast. <laughs> Whoa. George remembers one. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Well, it was funny that uh, I got my grandkid like one of these like robot kits with uh, you had like, wires, you got built, built. And oh, I'm thinking, right. like, like, wow, I said this would have been something I would have gotten at Radio Shack. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And if I needed an extra part or I wanted to do something else with it, I would have been able to go back there and get something from Radio Shack. But now these days it's all online. And so where did you get this? Since there's no Radio Amazon. Shack. That would have been Amazon. Amazon. Where you get everything yeah, else. Yeah. Where else you can get it. Mm-hmm. Those, those little electronic sets that Radio Shack sold, I'm sure we talked about them in this episode, but those were the best parts of Radio Shack when I was a kid that I always wanted and never got one but the ones where you just have all the wires sticking around and like mm-hmm. you connected some things and it made a radio then you connected other things that made a clock and so on and so yeah. forth I love those multi-use electronic sets those were yeah. awesome yeah I think we talk in this episode about just the sadness of not having access to that and it diminished right because used to be you had lots mm-hmm. of stores you had your your Circuit City and your Good Guys and your Radio Shack and all those and then Radio Shack was kind of the last place you they could just out. go and get a part just a wire yeah like I just yeah. need you know and then they kind of devolved into taking your name and address when you buy a battery and selling cell phones and yeah uh it's 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 kind of sad i think i remember being a little sad when i recorded this one because i'm like yeah "Yeah, it's there there were a couple stores yet yeah it it is very nostalgic i had a buddy who worked for them and i could go and hang out at the store anyway so many memories about radio shack and that's exactly what you will hear then in this rewind from october of 2018 our backtrack all about radio shack enjoy Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel, website, and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up podcast listener to the Backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up podcast podcast. I am John. Joining me as always is Mo. Hey, everybody. And of course, George is here. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are talking in this episode about a United States institution Yeah, that was founded along with so many other great industries that ran itself into the ground. <laughs> and every turn, make a wrong turn, we're talking about Radio Shack. Radio Shack. It's like up there with like Sears and yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the gutter, and in the crapper. Yeah. Montgomery yeah. Ward. Yeah. I know. Yeah. 
You know, in the second season of Stranger Things, Bob Newby, played by Sean Astin, was the manager of his local radio shack. That's right. Yeah. yeah okay. That. Stranger Things is this huge love letter to the 80s. What better way for Sean Astin to embody a character of the 80s is to be a guy who works at the radio shack. Yeah, right? that, that that's it. And in fact, it was a it was like a respected role. It's like, oh, he's our local radio shack manager. Yeah, what a guy. He's the knowledgeable one. He's yeah. the one. Yeah. It didn't stay that way the whole way. It turns out Radio Shack is still kind of around-ish. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Yeah. And we're going to get into that. Uh, but before we do, I'm going to take a brief second to thank someone who dropped a review for us on iTunes. Oh, my Woo-hoo! God. Really? iTunes on, review. On iTunes. That's awesome. Well, can we have a theme song for iTunes reviews? Like, do-do-do-do-do, iTunes review. And cut. That's the new theme. <laughs> Good job. Do-do-do-do, <laughs> <laughs> iTunes review. George, here's this whole theme thing, theme music thing. I know, thing. I like yeah. this. It's fun. Fair enough. I'm creative. Mattman DFG posted a review. Five stars, of course. What else would you post but five stars? Well, it said, course. a great listen with lots of throwback topics and honest opinions on new media as well. An overall great podcast with good production value, exclamation point. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you, Matt. Did you spell out exclamation point or just use a sentence? <laughs> that was me putting <laughs> emphasis on his emphasis. <laughs> Well, that's fantastic, man. It's great to hear that. Yep. We love iTunes reviews. I mean, and you all know how important they are, right? Absolutely. We love that you post reviews on iTunes. Uh, it apparently helps us in ratings or people to find us or whatever it is. All the good podcasts say it's important, and so we like to say so, too. Because <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't be thought of as a good podcast. Why not? So, Mattman DFG, thanks for taking the time to drop that iTunes review. We sure appreciate you and appreciate you listening. And now, let's get on with the backtrack of Radio Shack. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. News, the 1976 Radio Shack catalog is hot off the press. Over 160 pages of top-quality electronic products, cassette players and recorders, citizens' band radios, antennas, and much more. Radio Shack, guys, I know we're going to talk about, you know, your experiences and what we remember about Radio Shack. Last episode, Mo was our resident historian. This episode, George, you became our resident historian. What better place to start than the beginning of Radio Shack? And you dug in a little bit and found out the origins of Radio Shack and where it came from. So I want you to share that with us and our listeners. Sure. I was really kind of surprised by it. Like, I knew Radio Shack as the three of you did, you know, being the parts mm-hmm. kind of cool electronics store and everything. But it was actually founded in 1921, believe wow. it or not. I mean, that's a long time. That's almost 100 years. It was founded by two brothers, Theodore and Milton Duchman or Douchman or Dochman. I don't know how to pronounce it, but anyway. (laughs) Duchman, is that it? All right. See, that's why Mo should have stayed the resident historian. (laughs) They wanted to provide equipment and parts, believe it or not, of all things for the burgeoning ham radio market. Hence the name Radio Show. That was huge. I mean, that was Uh massive. Yeah, it was really big, especially 1920s. You're talking about World 
World War One, Two era kind of pre all that stuff and everything. So I guess that was becoming the a mode of you know how to reach out to people. Yep. It's not like long distance calls were super Mr. cheap Mr. or American anything. Flash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what was interesting too was they chose the name Radio Shack because it was the term for a small wooden structure that housed a ship's radio equipment. Makes sense. Okay. So I guess they had some experience there or had heard about it. Makes sense. It's still in operation today. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. It's actually now mostly just an online store. Mm Mm-hmm. And a part supplier for the chain Hobby Town. There's still actually 425 independently owned authorized Radio Shack dealers in operation today, which Uh, I had no clue because I thought, honestly, they were all gone. I thought it was like a blockbuster type thing. Yeah, but not as like a corporation. It's just this bankrupted shell of a corporation with these little independent guys. Yeah, I think where we're at is the, you know, when Blockbuster went bankrupt, but there were still a few hundred stores in operation that were independently owned. I think it's that same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it used to be called America's Technology Store. Like That was the mantra. Mm -hmm. It it was right. They were. That was yeah. pre Best Buy, pre Circuit City, rest in peace, pre yeah, no CompUSA, yeah. yeah, no CompUSA, none of those things. And if if you wanted a a regular battery, you could go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you got outside of like AA, C and D, anything else synonymous with electronics and equipment mm-hmm. and batteries and stuff like that was always Radio Shack yeah. uh, for the longest time. Especially your hobbyists. I mean, you're talking about all the little oh, yeah. parts and doohickeys and diodes and whatnot. That was the only place to go. And in my mind, honestly, that's what I miss the most about Radio Shack. I don't have a place to go now and buy that little stuff to tinker around with. Just to get a little widget. I need a push button. I need a momentary right. contact. Yeah. I need a latch switch or whatever. Those kind of things. And now you just I just go straight to Amazon now. That's the only place you can go, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Unless you've got one of those, what, Tiger Direct stores or whatever Mm -hmm. they are. I mean, which is rare, I think, you know. Yeah, because it was the place to go when you couldn't find it anywhere else. It sure was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and, and you knew you'd find it there. Yeah. You're sure they would have it. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about their catalog business. That was a big deal for them. It was, right? Yeah. Started in 1939, their Mm -hmm. first catalog. I remember the catalog. I got some, but I especially remember like the newspaper inserts. Yeah. Uh, I used to love getting those because they had the coolest stuff. Huge (laughs) varieties, all the coolest stuff, gadgets and toys, electronics and gizmos and stuff that we've already admitted to being addicted to their catalog business was huge for them yeah you'll remember that they always would kind of like ask you for your name and address when you bought something in radio shack that was because they were trying to get a base for where to ship the catalog Mm -hmm. they determined where to open new stores based on concentration of where people ordered things to get them shipped from the catalog oh that's smart how brilliant yeah that's really smart a preponderance of people and you know Tulsa, Oklahoma, in this little neighborhood. Let's throw a Radio Shack in there. They clearly want our stuff. Right. How smart was that? Oh, Absolutely. yeah. That was enormous for them. <laughs> it's the early days of big data, huh? Right. Especially yep. if you got, like, you notice repeat orders or something like that coming from a, like, you, yep. a little cluster area. Yeah, that's brilliant marketing, really. I mean, you're making sales and you're getting marketing research data at the same time for people paying you for it. That's just brilliant. 1954, they introduced their first private label products, name brand. And Realistic was the big name. Oh, oh Realistic. Yeah. That's, r- that's oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, my, I think we had like a radio from them. Yeah, they did really good speakers too. I can't imagine a time I 
didn't have them. Yeah, they had realistic brand every mm-hmm. turntables yeah. and amps and receivers I and stuff like that. that. Was their brand? I did. I never yeah. associated that with it. It was like wow. big audio. And when thing, first right? released, I mean, it was it was like a premier brand. You know, it was mm-hmm. big time. Until again, because it was so highly associated with Radio Shack, later it kind of lost a little bit of its cachet. But uh, it was a big deal, and it was budget. It wasn't like super expensive either. They were reasonably yeah, high priced. quality. And the nice thing decent. too yeah, was, was, I mean, you'd have that high quality stuff. But what I really liked about Radio Shack was you could go in and look at those products and test them and demo them and everything. But you had that guy that was working at Radio Shack that could steer you in the right direction. And let's say that you bought one of those things and something went wrong with it. You could go and talk to him and he could take you right over to the shelf for the perfect little piece that was needed to replace it. Mm, Some yeah, little part I, that oh. burned out in it or something, which didn't happen very often because they were pretty well made. But if yep. you needed something like that, you it was a one-stop, like Mo said, it was a one-stop shop for all that kind of stuff, whether you bought you wanted the whole component or you just wanted little parts of it to repair it later. It was the thing that like kept my father's generation going because they hated throwing stuff out. You know, you never threw out that giant <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. TV or that big, yeah, yeah. you know, wooden furniture radio thing because no, I can repair it. Well, you could repair it because you could find the stuff at Radio Shack. You made a good point. Cause that was one thing I remember is that the people that were super knowledgeable mm-hmm. used to be the case. Yeah. They knew everything about everything. They were all Bob Newby from Stranger Things. They right. knew really? their I mean, business seriously. and they were respected. Yeah. That you would go in there and say like, hey, my TV's <laughs> having this problem, blah, 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 blah. Oh, that's probably this thing is broken. And- Was it making a hum or a buzz? Which yeah, one? exactly. <laughs> High pitch or low pitch? That kind of fell away with the next couple of generations because if you went into a Radio Shack in the latter days before the bankruptcy, those people didn't know dick. Oh, man. They couldn't no. tell you any. They couldn't even tell you where the stuff was in the store because they were glued to their cell phone screens. It was. It really <laughs> made me mad, the local Radio Shack here in town that was still left. I went in there a couple of times, and I was like, hey, I'm looking for a resistor. What's a resistor? Shut up. You work at Radio yeah. Shack. Are you yeah, kidding we'll me? We'll talk about the decline in a little bit, but that angered me too. I mean, yeah. I had several experiences, very much like you said. You know, no kidding. Oh, Evolve a little 1962. They were acquired by Tandy. And for a long time, it was called Tandy Radio Shack. I'll remember mm. that. Yeah. 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 They were a leather goods company. Uh, they well, purchased up Radio Shack. Yeah. Tandy. Tandy what? was a leather goods company? Like Coleco, the Colorado leather company that uh, started the Coleco <laughs> so all vision. These, all these computer companies started out as leather manufacturers. What did they just like have a, they had a leather manufacturers conference one day and said, you know what? Screw leather. We're getting into the market for moccasins was declining. <laughs> Plastic. That's nuts. That's Coleco and Tandy were both leather goods companies. They were. Yep. That's just crazy. Tandy lent its name to the uh, TRS-80. We'll talk about later. Tandy Radio oh, Shack 80. That's what TRS stands for. Yep. Yeah. Science, science, science. Science, Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes. Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes. Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes... Yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast. Boy, did I get plastered last night. 
I can't even turn on an ordinary radio. Luckily, Radio Shack sells these three extraordinary cube radios by Realistic. They had a huge campaign that ran for nearly 30 years. Do you guys remember the Battery of the Month Club? You know, vaguely, vaguely. right. Yeah, I was... <laughs> Mo and I are in agreement again. What's going it on? It was smart. <laughs> Listen to this. So this was genius. Uh, now, first, George, you reached out to some of our followers on Twitter, and we had uh, John Turley respond oh, back, right. and yep. he remembered free batteries. When I was a kid in the late 70s, early 80s, this was the only way some of my games and ba- had batteries. No lie. <laughs> so the Battery of the Month Club was a genius. It was a loss leader. They gave mm-hmm. you this card that had little punches on it. Uh, it also served as a generic business card for the store. So it had like the address of the store on oh, it. Oh, okay. All right. And, and once a month, you could come in and get one free inner cell battery, which was their internal brand. But you could come and get one battery. So first of all, how many things did we have in the 70s, 80s, and 90s that took just one battery? Well, yeah. <laughs> so a lot took the little nine volts. Yeah, yeah just a few. Nine volt so things, often, right? yeah. if, if you're coming in to buy a battery, you're probably going to get a free one and buy a couple more you're going to pay right. for. Right, so that's smart, yeah. yeah. But it brought people into the store to get their free battery because, oh, I need one for my smoke detector or, I oh, I need a new one for this toy. I get a free one, plus I'll buy two more and I'll have all three that I need or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it served multi-purpose. It was, uh, it was a gimmick to get you in the store. It was uh, the address and the phone number of the of the store, so you'd know how to get there and how to reach them. Uh, and for from the '60s to the early '90s, you could join the Battery of the Month Club for free. And every month, you could walk in the door and get a free battery at any Radio Shack, and they'd punch your little card. Yeah, because the batteries weren't inexpensive either, right? Well, no, yeah, yeah, you know, they got more marketing value out of mm-hmm. it than they put into it in free batteries. Is the result? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll say that Radio Shack—that's a smart thing for somebody like me because Radio Shack was probably growing up. It was the first place that I was interested in doing impulse buys in. Mm-hmm. You would see that one little thing, like, oh, I really want that little button, or I really want. It was the first place that like bigger ticket items, like you'd always do impulse buys for like gum or candy when you were with your parents at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. But those were, you know, like little 50 cents quarter type things. But like real money, like saving up allowance, Radio Shack (laughs) was my impulse store of choice for sure. Yeah. You could get little radios and little walkie talkies Mm -hmm. and so many little things like that. Yep. So they were a powerhouse. I mean, we've established that they were a big deal and they were on the rise. Right. The early 80s, which was the era when we came into kind of first starting going into Radio Shacks, the biggest boom for them probably, or at least one of them, was the breakup of the Bell System phone network. Mm. Really? Oh, yeah. The baby bells. Yeah. It used to be you didn't own a phone. Oh, that's The right. phone company owned the phone. They came in, hooked up the phone and said, here you go, uh, uh, Mr. Smith, Mr. Sumter, here's your phone. We own it. Here's our sticker on the back of it. If you have a problem, you let us know, but it's not yours. If you lose phone service, we're going to come and take this back from you. When they broke that system up, every individual could now buy their own phone. In fact, had to buy their own phone. Mm -hmm. Radio Shack sold 20 different models of phones in the early 80s. Wow. Because they're like, hey, you need a phone? (laughs) We've got a phone. We got phones. Come on in. (laughs) They're just like radios. We're phone shack now. (laughs) You got it. So you could get your home phone and they could sell it to you, show you how to hook it up. And so what a boom that was for them. Wow. Oh, holy cow. Yeah, that must have been huge. Especially as you think about it, phones back then were all 
pretty much internally the same, right? It was just oh, yeah. I mean, there's no such thing as a crappy phone. Right? It really, does it work? Yeah. When I pick it up. Do I hear the dial tone? Yeah. Okay. So it works. Whether it's, it's going to hang on the wall, it's going to sit on the counter. Is it going? Yeah. That's really the only. Yeah, thing. Yeah, that's an interesting what point color? too. Because if you think about it, now we associate the quality of the phone call with the phone itself. But back then, we associated the quality of the phone with the phone line, not the phone itself. Just the line. Yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah. Yep. So we talked about realistic was their brand. They in the early '90s that had kind of faded. There were so many other great brands, yeah. you know, you had your, your Onkyos and your Sonys and stuff. So they introduced a new premium line of electronics called Optimus. Hmm. I don't think I remember that one. Okay. All right. Those were a little more expensive and it was kind of like the same internals, but it was a great line of electronics. I remember having a few of them uh, that I bought from Radio Shack because it was kind of like, it was the latte kind of thing or, you know, the espresso. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, you can get the realistic coffee, but I can get the Optimus espresso. You know, it's it's a higher tier of the same thing. It sold for about 20, 30% more. It had a few more watts or whatever. So in their, their electronics, their stereos and speakers and stuff like that, that was a big deal for them. And then in 91, they're, they're still sucking things up. They acquired Computer City. What? They but, owned Computer oh, yeah. City? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like that was the beginning of the downtrend for them. Having bought Computer City, they bought it because they said, you know, computers are the wave of the future. That's when they started that turn away from selling components, oh. pieces, bits, bobs. Let's start selling mainstream like consumer electronics now. Hmm. So it's like everything Radio Shack was known for they started to homogenize themselves into what every other big box electronics store was already starting to do. Because that was the era of throwaway electronics, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was the beginning. You're right. Yeah. These people stopped kind of like repairing and replacing. And they said, well, this is the future. Let's get away from all these little pieces and bits. In fact, they revamped the catalog. A little foreshadowing. They revamped the catalog <laughs> service. They paired it from like 50,000 products down to like 2,500 products. Oh, wow. Because oh, we're like, Let's stop selling all this bits and bobs crap in our catalog. We don't need that. Let's sell just mainstream like big products. Man. As we'll see later, that became a big problem. Do you guys remember like when I would go into Radio Shack, like the only thing that's equivalent to it is going to like a Home Depot or a Lowe's and you walk into the screws, nuts and bolts aisle where they just have those long drawers. Of, yes, you pull little drawers out. And they have the pictures on the front of the drawer to tell you what's in it. Yes. And stuff. And they, Radio Shack had those when I was younger, but then they did. They went from that whole wall of drawers and pegboard, you know, hooks and everything to just like one little small little four foot tall. Fewer and fewer. Double-sided aisle of some stuff. They had like a little pegboard on it that had maybe a hundred different little diodes on it. And the rest of it was just all like prepackaged components that would, you know, you might find a power supply for your mm -hmm. computer tower or maybe that was that early nineties yep. that you could add into the CB radio or something like that. Yeah. And then, so here, here was the big turn. So a little later in the nineties, what started blowing up was the internet e-commerce sites. Oh. You could go online and buy anything and when that blew up and Radio Shack got into the online business, they were no longer selling just the components online, only big brand electronics, oh. consumer stuff. So the market they invented, all those little, you know, capacitors and buttons and switches and knobs, they weren't selling them on their website. Oh, that's just stupid. So people started going <laughs> everywhere else. Well, I guess since they weren't selling them, them in the catalog, they weren't going to sell them on the website either, I guess. They didn't yep. want to be in that business. That's uh, that, no wonder yep. they're bankrupt now. That's just stupid. It was just mistakes and whoops and the wrong turns. And you know, there were like smart people with degrees trying to deduce what's the trend, what's happening in the 
in the marketplace and they're trying to they're trying to lead the curve but at every turn it's like they made just a, a misstep they gave up on yeah. what what they had a little yeah, bit sometimes you're too smart for your own good i also remember back in the 90s i mean everybody was trying to figure out what to be Right. Yeah. Things sure. are changing yeah. from video. Corporate I mean, identity. Yeah, you were, yeah. yeah. And so they're trying to figure out how do we survive? Right. And unfortunately, I think Radio Shack just went the wrong way. Uh, definitely. 2003 was the last printed catalog. Mm. They stopped asking for your name and address when you bought something because they didn't have anything to ship you. Yeah. Damn. Mm, mm, mm. Usually yep. when I would go in a place that would ask for the you know name and address kind of stuff at the register, I would never give them the right thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm Bob Odekirk from <laughs> Planet X or something like that. But no thanks. Radio Shack was no one thanks. of those places that I was happy to give them my name and address. In the early days, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Right on. Save on famous Radio Shack Hi-Fi, car stereo, radios, toys, TV games, calculators, walkie-talkies, and CB radios. Hurry into Radio Shack today. We've talked already about some of like the identity brands that they had, the Realistic and later Optimus. What are the things you remember most being associated with Radio Shack, the signature products that you've got there? I guess first it's going to be radios. It's in the title. So mm -hmm. definitely all kinds of transistor radios, the CB radios. Yep. Yep. When that took off. Probably were the thing that uh, seeing those on the shelf and always wanting one. That was kind of like the, oh, mom, dad, I really need a CB radio. <laughs> I want a hammer. Radio. I want to talk like a trucker. Yeah. <laughs> I always had a CB radio because I had a dad and an uncle and a brother who were all truck drivers. And so they would go to Radio Shack quite often. That was their place. You upgraded huh? one. So of, like the inside of the crappy one. Radio Shack, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Either Truck Stop or Radio Shack. One or the other. <laughs> we touched on some of their line of computers, but man, the TRS 80. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. Right Tandy there. Radio Shack. Oh, that the Trash 80 people call it. Trash 80. That's got to be the one product that's probably most closely associated with that brand. I learned programming on the TRS 80 in elementary school. <laughs> I remember going to the library instead of going to lunch just to work on programming a game that me and my best friend were planning on graph paper. <laughs> a little later, they came out with a color computer after the C64 was such a hit. They had the Tandy color computer. Oh, yeah. Nicknamed Coco. Right. Remember that guy? Mm -hmm. That one was really nice, actually. I remember playing on the Coco. Uh, it, it simulated in MAME, and you could play stuff uh, out of Coco in that. Isn't the Trash 80 considered one of the holy trinity of the first wave of home computers? Because uh, there was the Commodore PET, the Trash 80, and... The, the Apple, yeah. right, the Apple. Yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, they were all in that same window of a couple of years. Right. Sure. Yeah, in the in the tweet you sent out, the Pittsburgh Nerd Podcast replied, and they said, the year we got a Commodore 64, my friend got a Tandy computer, and we would go to Radio Shack to buy games for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Go there to pick up some uh, software for your, your new computer. And they had them on display, so you could always play with them a little bit, too, and do the 10 print Hello World, go to 10 kind of things. <laughs> you did. Yeah. Another tweet yeah. back from uh, Elzebar, want to be the guy, uh, is the handle, <laughs> said back in the late 80s and 90s, 
90s, they always seemed to have whatever obscure little part was needed, as we mentioned, and they always seemed to have a PC with Thexter loaded up on it. So you could, <laughs> you could sit and play. I know that me and my buddies would go to Radio Shack just to play the demos on the... It wasn't just demos back then. They just All they could do was load up the real game and you could sit there right. and manager would evil eye you while you sit and played the whole game in their store. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and especially if the Radio Shack was in like a mall or a strip mall or something, you know, your mom and dad would drop you off there because you could be distracted by the video game for a few hours while they went shopping yeah. at the grocery store <laughs> oh, yeah. or the Absolutely. store or yep. whatever. So I was like, I do that today. Radio Shack, like Radio Shack Baby Center. Yeah, they were probably, <laughs> you know, they were probably getting tired of like, I'm managing this Radio Shack. I'm not here to be your babysitter. You're not paying me for this. I'm, I always wondered, did any of those managers ever in the history of Radio Shack, when a parent would walk back in and say, that'll be $7 for watching your child for an hour. <laughs> <Just 'cause laughs> they should have. Yep. They earned it. A great friend of mine. I have a memory of uh, a set of speakers that he had called the Mach 1 speakers. Oh, wow. <laughs> These are well revered in Good just uh, the history of electronics from that era. And people still buy them online. You still find like eBay auctions for these things. The Mach 1, we got to put a link down below uh, in the show notes to take a look. But man, I remember these being the most amazing home speakers I had ever, ever heard. Wow. They stood about three foot tall. They were enormous. They were probably 18 inches deep. Jeez. They had a like a circular horn for a tweeter, like a hard plastic dome. (laughs) Then they had like a trumpet horn mid-range that was mounted into it that looked like this concave thing. And this huge like 12-inch woofer in each one of these. We used to go to his house. He had Optimus equipment. He he was a Radio Shack devotee. He had everything from them. And these Mach 1s, he had saved up and saved up. You know the the Memorex commercial where the guy is sitting in the chair and his... (laughs) His oh, yeah, scarf yeah. is blowing back behind him and the glass just fell off the table. He just caught it. These speakers would do that to you. You'd th- blow you back in the chair you were sitting in. <laughs> and and I, I always thought it was just a random. My buddy had some great speakers, uh, but turns out they were actually some of the best speakers of the era. And they came out of Radio Shack, these Mach 1s. Huge, huge man. Stuff. Yeah, you know that all that stuff that you would get from Radio Shack. It felt like it was just quality. And you're talking about the speakers. I mean, nowadays the form factor on speakers has gone the opposite route. You know, now it's all about small and invisible or wireless or everything. But mm-hmm. back then, the form factor of these different components, <laughs> whether it be the television or the speaker or the radio, it was all a design choice. They made these things to be part of your household experience, whether it be a living mm-hmm. room or a bedroom item or a kitchen item or whatever. Beautiful wood grain. Yeah, <laughs> just solid thing. And I know you could find some of that stuff, at, like we mentioned earlier, the places like Sears or Montgomery Wards or those kinds of things. But there was something different about going into a Radio Shack and finding their components and their products that they made, like the realistic brand, like you're talking about the TRS-80 computer. Just it was magical. Yeah. It really was. And, and it, it's it's more frustrating in hindsight because of, of what it became later. Oh, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about our memories oh, wow. uh, of our experiences <laughs> going into Radio We Shack. haven't done that yet, so. <laughs> Let me tell you, I mean, my biggest one, though, I, I still remember this so clearly. It's like my dad, he fixed the like hospital equipment and stuff for a living. So he it was always getting parts and stuff for him. And like you said, everything in the house, if the TV broke, he fixed it, right? He, he mm-hmm. figured out what was wrong and he fixed it. Yep. And you could. I remember going to Radio Shacks with him though. And the thing that always amazed me, it sounded like my dad was speaking his foreign language, but the guy understood it. <laughs> right. <laughs> they were talking. I couldn't understand a damn thing either one was saying, but next I know my dad would walk out with some part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was the right one. He would fix it. 
Yeah, it was the right one. And it, and the nice thing was that if it wasn't the right one, they would take it back. Sure. Yep. You know, they take yep. it back, give them the part that worked. They were Walmart before Walmart, really, on that kind of an issue. Yeah. They were like super like, oh, this wasn't the right size resistor. Okay, here, we'll take one of these other resistors. Yeah. And no big deal. Oh, man. But that was like my earliest memory, I think, of Radio Shack. I think for me, I remember my father repaired television, one of the many jobs that he had to have growing up to try and make money. Most of that generation did. They had to be experts in like 20 things because jobs were scarce, right? So he did television repair for a little while. And I remember when I started to get old enough to understand the electronics I was tearing apart, like the calculators and things like that. I first got in a computer and stuff. He told some of his friends, I could figure out how to gimmick the local cable company's cable boxes into allowing all the channels in for free. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I'm yeah. like, and so he like, he comes home one day and he's got like four cable boxes and these guys have all handed them to him. <laughs> he brought these things home. I had no clue what I was doing. It took me like a week to figure out how to get those little star nuts that they had on them instead of the regular screws. Oh yeah. The special. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, yeah. but I got the driver at Radio Shack and I was playing around and I was looking at stuff and you couldn't look online because there's no online back then and everything, but I was, there's no such thing. I was yep. trying to find manuals and stuff. I figured out where the D scrambler chip would go. If you, so if you went to the cable company back then, you had to tell them whether what channels you were getting in the location. Right. Right. And they would hand you a box that had the chip in that allowed that channel or all the channels or whatever. Well, I figured out where the socket was for that chip. I realized that if you took a diode and put it in the first two pinholes of the socket, just bridged it, it, bridged everything and everything was allowed through. So it took me about a week or two no weeks filter. to figure it out. <laughs> but yeah, instead of having the wavy lines that we remember, I had, yep. you know, the full, all the channels and everything, all, all clear. the Skinamaxes and whatnot. <laughs> You're a little criminal. Yeah, well, but it was Radio Shack. <laughs> you would go there and you would buy a bag of those diodes for like a quarter. Yep. And you could take those diodes and then you could gimmick this cable company and stick it to the man, so to speak. And you could <laughs> help your friends out. I was doing that for years after that, like until they got rid of that version of the cable box. Like I probably fixed like two or 300 of those damn things. Jeez. <laughs> but I loved Radio Shack was the place where I could go to get that type of stuff. One of our Twitter followers responded back, geek to me Radio said, for me, it was playing with the robot they had called Armatron every time I went. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that thing. That remember that? It was super expensive, though. It was like an up and a down, a left and a right, and then you had a dial where you could open and close little little jaws. Yep. Yeah, on that same tweet, MC Merv responded, I scored a working Armatron at a yard sale for a dollar years Did ago. I really? hadn't seen one wow. in such a long time. Yeah, Armatron was great. We were playing with that. The thing I remember really, really well that they had there, not you wouldn't play with it at the store. They had this learning lab. It was like a 101 kits and it oh, had yeah. you opened up the box. Was that like the little and it had wires and diodes and dials? Yes, 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 yes exactly. exactly. Oh, yeah. 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 And all these uh, projects you could do, you could make a crystal radio right. or you could make a, a, make a whatever. Clock. Yeah. Reminded me a little bit of that thimble box that Mo, you reviewed on the on the YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. That uh, they send you kits and you can build something. A very watered down early version of that. But yeah, you just bought this little box. You took it home and it had a booklet full of electronics projects. You could learn, you know, what's a capacitor do? What's a diode do? It was basically training future Radio Shack customers to understand how to speak that foreign mm -hmm. language your dad spoke, Mo. Oh, man, I, I missed that because that went away. There are actually new versions of it online that you can get because uh, it was so popular. You can We'll put a link down in the show notes where you can look and see, but people still sell on Amazon and other places like a 301 little learning lab kit, and they 
clearly say, uh, in memory of Radio Shacks, dot, dot, oh, dot. Wow. Yeah. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. We're at a place where the mind can comprehend and devise a solar radio, a wireless transmitter, measure time and light. 65 electronic projects brought to reality with this science fair kit. Astonishing, perhaps, but you can find it for $17.95 in a place that's known as Radio Shack. We have alluded to it several times. Radio Shack, not what it used to be. No. There was an obvious steady decline. In 1998, their stock peaked at an all-time really? high. Okay. All right. And it was downhill from then. They kept kind of adjusting. We talked about the, the 2001, the 2003, the catalog went, how that right. dipped. Mm-hmm. You remember they changed their slogan from America's Technology Store to the stupidest slogan there's ever been? You've got questions. Oh, God. We've got that's answers. right. I remember that stupid slogan. And the irony is the dipshits that worked in the radio shacks did not have a single <laughs> <Nope>. answer. <laughs> not at all. Probably back in like 2012 or so, I even remember posting a diatribe about it on Facebook. I needed a battery for a, a little digital watch. That was all sure. just a watch, you know? And I went in and I said, I need a battery for this watch. And they're like, oh, I don't know what kind of battery it uses. And I'm like, Ugh. well, your slogan is you. We've got questions. Yeah, my, I have a question <laughs> that you <laughs> need to check. I guess maybe the slogan was vague enough that they could say, well, the answer was, I don't know. <sighs> that was the answer. The answer is, hell if I know. <laughs> and they're like, well, find out what kind it has and, and go, well, we, we're not allowed to open up the watch. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, geez. Liability. And I'm like, Oh, hand me your screwdriver I'll and I'll it. open it. I can it. hand you a screwdriver. So I opened it up <laughs> and I handed them the battery and they looked at me and went, nope, I don't know what it is. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. It's Radio Shack. No, no, but just they should be able to identify a battery. I'm standing in a Radio Shack. You have Basically, I know you have the internet on that computer. You can help me by finding out. They don't recognize it on site. They had no way of looking it wow. up. They didn't sell them. We don't got them. And it was like, you have totally gone from the go-to place for electronics questions. How incredible is that story considering that they used to be the battery of the month place? <laughs> the de facto place you would go. That's yep. just crazy. Mm, mm, mm. Do you guys remember in 2009, there was a move to rebrand it. They were going to do away with the Radio Shack and just call it The Shack. Oh, I yeah. vaguely remember that. They did that like, in it the didn't last mall long, right? here. They took the radio off and called it The Shack. And I remember thinking, what the hell? Is, did somebody else move in here? Did that ever take off? I mean, I don't think it did. I, I never saw I it. Remember, I remember, I thought I remembered seeing the sign yeah. up here, but I don't. You may have. Yeah, you may have. But I mean, it didn't stick. Talk about just like, we're going to dip our toe into rebranding and then stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, well, they're going to be cool. You got to go all in with that. Know, we're The Shack now. You know, <laughs> it's Man. Like, yeah. <laughs> Super hip. Super hip, yeah. By 2011, 
the things we've been talking about, all the do-it-yourself stuff, was entirely sidelined. They only had it available on their online store, which they finally got around to adding back in. But there was no do-it-yourself stuff. So diodes, capacitors, buttons, latches. I wonder if this was around the Fix the 1500 era. Do you remember about that? Yeah, I read a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they had an effort. They would pick like their 1500 worst performing stores. Yep. They would put those managers on notice. Mm -hmm. And that era, they'd started layoffs and right sizing. They, If managers couldn't return their store around, they would demote yep. them down to just sales clerks or eventually just fire them. there was like a big oh, lawsuit over it because like they were saying, well, we were told we had to be demoted because we weren't performing well, but they were making us work tons of overtime without pay and stuff. So there was like a big, yeah. I remember it was a big deal. It was crumbling both externally and yeah. internally. The morale inside the company was on the way down. Uh, and I, I remember the last few times I went into Radio Shacks, it was basically cell phone plans because they partnered right. with Singular. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was remote control cars around sure, Christmas, yeah, yeah. Tons of I those. guess. Christmas electronic kind of <laughs> I stuff. Suppose. Yeah. yeah, it was It was just, it was sad. There was nothing in there that I wanted anymore. Yeah. I remember going in a Radio Shack and they're not being a single radio in the store. Not one. It was basically the electronics aisle of Walmart is what a Radio Shack became. That's all it was. Why would I bother going there if I've got to go to Target or Walmart Mm -hmm. anyway if you now have no added benefit beyond that? It's just horrible. And you wouldn't think about it, but the people at Walmart or Target were probably friendlier in that electronics department than the ones at Radio Shack because those guys were jerks at that point. (laughs) You're right. Yeah. I mean, how many times do you remember growing up where you heard like, the story of the kid managed to break into the side of the telephone with parts from Radio Shack. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. With parts yeah. from Radio Shack, they were able to do blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 I remember in Short Circuit, Johnny Five would go into the short, they had him in the back of the Radio Shack is where they were fixing him. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Think about like the, um. remember like when the PC cloning era was going crazy and people were, remember they were talking about, they were buying off the shelf parts to build some of these first PCs that was coming from Radio Shack. Of course. They were buying they power were. supplies and yep. chips and all this stuff right off the shelves at Radio Shack, building these PCs. Yep. And because they weren't proprietary, the next schmo could go in there, undo their computer and build one <laughs> with a couple extra features in it, all from Radio Shack. Without Radio Shack, you wouldn't have that stuff. I remember as recently as like probably 2013 or so, I walked into Radio Shack. I thought, here's a softball. I need a SATA cable, just a regular right. SATA cable. <laughs> no, no, we don't sell those. A SATA cable what? that you just plug a hard drive in with? Yeah, we don't sell like parts and stuff, which really spoke to how they <laughs> did away with stuff. DIY stuff. Oh my God. I'll, I'll plug in a hard drive is all I want to do. 2015 bankruptcy. Yeah. yeah. First of many, right? Restructuring. <laughs> yeah. 2017, second bankruptcy. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work the first time. We'll do it a second time. Yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah. get it right. So, <laughs> <laughs> Nope, they won't. <laughs> and George, you explained at the beginning of the show kind of where they are now. They partnered with Hobbytown USA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of inside of those stores, they have a Radio Shack Express, right. which is uh, akin to the Chili's Express you see in the <laughs> airport. <laughs> it's like, it's not really Chili's, but you can get a Bloomin' Onion. Well, it's not really Radio yeah. Shack, but you can get a cell phone yeah. or something. They're really just kind of riding on the legacy of what Radio Shack is. And in my mind, that's driven so far in the ground, they, they ought to just cut and run. It, you ought to be the shack at this I point. I bad for the, <laughs> like we said, there's like 400 and some odd stores still in existence right now, like the independently. Yeah. I feel independently bad for owned. them because the brand is so irreparably damaged by the bad yeah, decisions so now that those stores 
unless they've gone out on their own and cured their own suppliers for the parts and rebuilt that part of the store, I can't imagine anybody likes those stores. Sad, sad, sad. They've got to be just like tumbleweed ghost towns of retail hell. (laughs) One of the most telling images that I ever saw online, and to this day, I'll go back and look at it and remember, it really just, it was almost like it was foretold in the Book of Omens. There's a Radio Shack at dusk, and just the right letters are burned out on the sign, and what's left says adios. Oh, no really? way. Really? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's a, that's a like, good one. That yep. says it all. It really you know, does. There was probably somebody who bought the stuff from a Radio Shack to learn how to burn out those letters, went up there and did that on purpose. <laughs> <Yeah>. Short of <laughs> them. Short of them. Yeah. Wow. Man. Know how to work the pincers on your battle fall, Ernie? Sure it is. How about your robot, Tim? Under control, sir. Radio Control Toys from $11.95 to $59.95. Only at Radio Shack. Gentlemen, that is going to just about wrap it up for this edition of the Gen X Grown Up Backtrack Podcast. We've been talking about Radio Shack. You know, in hindsight, Radio Shack was a brand. I would almost say I loved that brand. I loved going in it. I loved being there. Yeah. You know what? It's like Radio Shack to me always represented Mm self-sufficiency. Yes. Independence. Independence, You fix it yourself. You make it creativity. You make it yourself. Ingenuity for me, for sure. Always Mm -hmm. trying to learn something new or figure something out. Until at the end there, you know, my battery story, that really just just puts a taste Mm -hmm. in your mouth that... They're not interested in in helping you with that self-reliance to the point of fixing a battery or buying a cable. They were the innovator and they became just a me too and not even a good me yeah. too. Just trying to do what other people are doing and not doing it as well. You know? Oh, that's so sad. It, it is It is sad. You know, it's, it's something I love so much becomes such a, just a reviled brand that you make fun of, but it is what it is. Yeah. You can't go back again. Radio Shack was great. Radio Shack is no longer great <laughs> or good i'm thinking maybe we should open a new or, or store around. generation x radio shack just make it just like the old yeah one. exactly <laughs> it's just full of gadgets I, I don't think we should use that name though a because i don't want okay. to sue us and b it's it's too bad it's already got enough baggage yeah. gen x <laughs> grown-up shack how about that yeah just we'll use the shack yeah. somebody finally <laughs> use the shack maybe it'll stick <laughs> the gen x shack perfect <laughs> oh guys hey thanks so much for being here i am john george appreciate you yes sir and mo always fun man and fourth listener we especially appreciate you being here and we will talk to you next time bye-bye see you guys see you later no life no fun don't you know that you're a grown-up Gen X grown up is a member of the evergreen podcast family learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com Unacceptable for grown-ups Your dinner cannot just be french fries Basically, life sucks as a grown-up I'm recording! No, I just said I'm going to start my podcast! (laughs) (laughs) Damn it! That was funny. Did you just open the door and walk in and start talking? Yeah! I want to buy a new studio. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. 
You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.